Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 57 d10 damage at a time, only to have the dead horse get out of it with a perfect dodge. We're talking Exalted this week, the White Wolf not-quite-monsters RPG. Unless you count all the sex ghosts. Sit back and enjoy. Okay, welcome back. I still say you're racist about dwarves. What you know about dwarves? What you what you know about dwarves? My beard braids be popping. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm Jeff, and as always, here is my co-host John. How are you? I'm great. Happy 2014. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, January 1st, 2014. Uh, no matter what day you are listening to this, that yeah. is what day it is. Fuck what day you're listening to this. Yeah. Your name is Toby. <laughs> Okay, so um, as you can tell, we had a, we had an interesting night, oh. and uh, we are going to be discussing Exalted. Yeah, because and, we uh, haven't been able to find a better game recently. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we doing uh, the first edition, the second edition, all the Shit, editions. They fucking bleed together for me, to be honest with right. you. I, I know there's some important key differences between first edition and second edition, but I was never familiar enough with first edition, and frankly, the whole game just boils down to. One player going, all right, I want to do a thing. And then the, the ST, storyteller in this game, says, roll some dice. He rolls some dice. He goes, like, 12. And he goes, eh, all right. That's, uh, no, I mean, that, that's, that's basically what role-playing boils down to. Yeah, this game's a very pure feeling of role-playing. But let's get into some history of what Exalted is. All so, right. let's start with White Wolf. White Wolf's the company that made Vampire, Werewolf, Frankenstein, Ghost. They, they basically try to make monster movie role-playing games, and then sex them up a whole bunch and throw in a bunch of 90s punk tropes. Well, yeah, but, I mean, who doesn't want to be a sexy Frankenstein monster? (laughs) It's a shame that that's the book that failed, isn't it? Man, Promethean was awesome. Yeah, Promethean, where you could play as a sexy Frankenstein, is gone. Maybe that that movie that's coming out will see a resurgence in Promethean popularity, that that, that, uh, Aaron Eckhart, I, Frankenstein situation. Oh, yeah, that's that's what's going to do it. That's That's going to kickstart the Promethean. Yeah, they're gonna have White Wolf's Frankenstein versus Gargoyles yeah. ripoff that doesn't have that has all the serial numbers and names filed off. No, they'll just have second edition Promethean and then their new line of Gargoyle the Flappening. How come they didn't already have Gargoyle the Flappening or Gargoyle the Fan Artening? Because gargoyles were just something that the vampires made. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, one of the clans could make gargoyles. So right, fuck you. I know about things. We're way off topic. I, I, John's got way more White Wolf experience than I do. Oh I, yeah, I'm so much gothier than you. Yeah, I, I'm not goth, not at all. Oh, that's sad. That's sad for you. I'm so and, sad. Does that make me goth? A little bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, Exalted is not a monster movie game. All the other ones kind of feel like the old Universal monsters. Like they, that was their inspiration for each line of their games. And even when it wasn't going off a monster, it was still very gothy. And this one was much more bright and anime adventure yeah, rather it, than dark, gloomy. So it's basically an anime game. You play as various heroes. Uh, it, although it's not like an anime simulator, because it's got a very codified and very structured world in which you play, which is called Creation. Uh, it's basically like Earth, but it's like, what, thousands of times the size of Earth, and it's flat? Yeah, it ha I mean, Exalted has a really extensive Deep, sort of backstory. Goofy. And because it's giant, like, every section has a whole bunch of crap going on with it. So, I mean, it's got, like... The same, well, I wouldn't say the same level of, say, something like Forgotten Realms has shit written about it, but it's got that same sort of any place you go in the world of creation is going to have something to do with the plot. Right, someone wrote something down. You play as what aren't superheroes, but might as well be. They're basically... Sort of demigods? Demigods, yeah. And it depends. Each book of Exalted covers a different faction of various types of demigods. So the core book covers what are called Solars, which are children of the sun, and there's very few of them. There's, like, what, 100 of them or 300 of them? Uh, there were 300. There are now 150. Okay, there are 150 of them. And so you play as one of these 150 kind of ultra-badasses. Now, White Wolf still can't quite let you get away with just playing a rad superhero, so everybody in the Exalted Universe who's a god of some kind has a horrible flaw, the Great Curse, so yeah. that, that's going to get you. And uh, basically you spend time roaming around creation... 
uh, doing anime stuff. Yeah, you. I mean, depending on what you're really focused on, you could just wander around getting into kung fu fights if you wanted to. You could do a lot of uh, nation building mm-hmm. if you really wanted to do that. You could go on an erotically charged sex venture. Uh, which, uh, if you're not, you're doing it wrong. I mean, let's be honest here. If you're not getting nasty with some rape ghosts, then what are you doing in this game? Complaining about the rape ghosts <laughs> at length on the internet? Well, yeah, that's that's the second favorite pastime of the Exalted player. Yeah. All right. Character creation in this game. Let's let's stick to just a cu- couple of core books and talk about Solars. We'll briefly cover the other factions in a bit. But yeah, let's let's just talk about main book. Yeah, Solars. So Solars gets your stat spread, and this game uses attributes. Yep. There are three blocks. They cover your physical, social, and mental abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, physical is the standard array of strength, dexterity, constitution. Social covers manipulation, charisma, and appearance. And the, your intellect block covers wisdom, perception, and no, it's uh, uh, wits. Wits. Wits, perception, and intelligence. Yeah. Each one of these is a dot scale, and you have between one and five dots. Yep, this is a one to five, just like, uh, say, any of the other white wolfish type games you'd see. Yeah. Or even, like, The Legend of the Five Rings, like we did last time. Yeah. This, uh, this one sets human standard at two dots. Yep. And solar standard at three dots. Uh, If you use your starting stat array, you can have a three in every one of your dots, or every one of your attributes, and just be a slightly better than most humans type person. Of course, you can also fling those around and be a five, which is a crazy ultra superhero. Which you're probably going to do in at least one. Way more fun. Yeah. Then you also get your ability spread. And this game has 25 abilities. These are skills. Yeah. And uh, each one of the characters you can be, there are different Oh, there uh, are factions casts. of solars. Fa- yeah. Uh, Solar so each cast called- is linked to a uh, one of the phases of the sun. So you've got... Dawn cast and zenith and twilight and night and eclipse, and so each of them have uh, five of the abilities that you get are linked to that cast. Right. So you automatically have uh, those five, whatever uh, type of solar you are, your favorite in those. It's easier for you to learn. It takes less experience and less time for you to learn them. Uh, and then you pick five others that right. you also are good at. So, basically, each one of the casts can be summed up in a couple of quick stereotype-type words. Yeah. So, you've basically got Dawn casts are generals, bruisers, and warriors. They get all of the fighting skills, like, actually, literally, all of the weapon skills and the war skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilights are uh, intelligent uh, investigators, wizards, anything along those lines. Yeah. They're, they get perception. They get their, uh, their skills cover things like occults, crafting... Uh, and investigation. Yeah. You've got the Zenith, which are the priest cast, and they're your general, uh, sort of talky guys. Yeah, they're, they're leaders. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're the, one of the two faces of the party. Yeah. So they're usually the side that is more on performance and swaying the hearts of the people. The other side, the Eclipse cast, are the politicians. The they're more on, I go around to different places and strike deals and bargains and so right. on. The, uh, the the Zeniths also, for whatever reason, get toughness shoved into their purview, so they're very they're very hardy and sturdy. Yeah. Uh, and then there's nightcasts, which are thieves. They they I mean, I'd like to give them more than that, but they are thieves. They get all the dexterity and athletics and stealth. Yeah. They they are your standard skulky guys. Right. And I'd like I'd like to say that eclipses make good sense as diplomats and traders and and uh, that sort of thing, but really it feels like there were five skills left over when they finished building them, and they were like, eh, "Let's put these in eclipse." That's why they're good at riding and sailing. Yeah, well, they're good at riding and sailing because you need to ride or sail to go to other kingdoms. I guess you need to be good at those things to go to war with other kingdoms too. It it really does feel like it's just kind of a leftover grab bag. But then again. Still better than Dawncast. Because, huh, huh. you know, getting five fighting skills doesn't matter when you really only need one. Yeah. So, uh, so you pick your fi- one of the five casts, and then you build your character. You put points in your abilities. They also run on a scale of one to five dots. But in this case, you can have a zero dot, because you just don't know how to do that. Yeah. There are also specialties. Uh, specialties are fun in this game, because they're very freeform. You can say, uh, I'm taking a dodge three dot rating, and a two dot specialty in dodging, as long as I am dodging a surprise attack. Yeah, so you can do sort of hyper-specific things if you want to say, 
alright, I've got a melee specialty in this specific sword. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you could do something like, I have a melee specialty in duels. So if I'm specifically dueling a guy, then I'll get my specialty. And it wouldn't matter what weapon I was using. We've played this game a lot, and one of the things I've learned about specialties is that people really quickly rise to the level of vagueness that they're allowed to. They realize pretty quick when when the uh, the ST will catch them for saying things like, Well, I have a melee specialty in fighting. Yeah, or I've got a uh, dodge specialty in when threatened. Yeah, or in not being hit by things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that will be the first example in this game of one of the kind of the love-hate relationship that we both have with it, which is that it's a lot of time spent negotiating to play this game right uh, because, because of all the free-form stuff. So, uh, okay, you get your, your uh, abilities, you get your uh, attributes, then you need to pick some other fun substats... Uh, this game has an interesting four-axis alignment system called, yeah, called the Virtues. Your Virtues are your Compassion, your Conviction, your Temperance, and your... Valor. Valor, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, how much you give a shit about people, how much you stick to your guns for things, how much you are not willing to indulge in a bunch of crap, and then how brave you are. Right. And of course, because it's White Wolf, if you go too far into the scale, it's actually bad for you. Putting more points into a thing makes it so that, you know, what are you? Uh, I'm Conviction 5. I'm all about that. Oh, well, that means you're a cold-hearted bastard that would watch an orphanage burn if it made your goals go forward. Oh, good, thanks. And oh, as I mentioned earlier, your characters always have to suffer from a great curse in this game, and those are directly tied into your virtues. Uh, the great curse triggers when you see things that challenge your virtues. And, yeah. So and you'll have one one of your virtues will be your main virtue, and so your great curse will be tied into whatever your main virtue is. So if you're like, I've got compassion, that's my main virtue, I've got four out of five dots in it, I love people, I'm always trying to do my best to help everyone else around me, but sometimes, for no good goddamn reason, I go insane and begin indiscriminately slaughtering people because I have a great curse. I, I barely know anyone. I know a couple different groups that play this game, and I don't know a single one that doesn't house rule the shit out of that. Because it, it basically, the, the flaw, the thing that happens to you when your curse triggers and you go crazy is basically the same as saying, go sit in the corner. Like you, Yeah, you, you lose control over your character. Yeah, some of them are things like, you have to go on a month-long pilgrimage with rags on instead of clothes, and so, well, okay, so I guess the party will reconvene in a month. Yeah. And, you know, you've got some that are like that sort of uh, whirlwind of death, indiscriminate killing thing where you just go insane, lasts for an hour. Now, of course, you're a ridiculous demigod with insane power, so in an hour you can probably just destroy several city blocks. Yeah. But at least you go, okay, it's an hour and then we're done. But the ones like that, or if you've got temperance and it's like, oh, I had a limit break on my curse, and now I go sit around and read books for three weeks. Oh, really? That's it? Great. We, yeah. We did have a plot, but some shit happened, and I guess we don't anymore. Yeah. Uh, we, we've said this before in other reviews, but any mechanic of the game where the, the penalty is stop playing the game for a while is a bad penalty. Yeah, not to mention it also makes it so that not only are you not playing, but you don't get to play your character the way you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, uh, I'm going to buy a flaw, or you start the game and someone says, any character you make has to have a flaw, and that's your great curse. But given that the game will just randomly decide, uh, you know how you had this guy, and he was taking care of his buddy. Well, now you go insane and you murder him. You're like, but I wouldn't do that. Nope! Game says you do! Fuck off! Right. The other thing about the great curses is just like specialties for your uh, abilities, curses can be written. You can say, well, my character has a strong conviction, and uh, when he has a limit break, this other thing happens, and the ones that are written in the books. Instead of uh, what he would normally do, he just refuses to uh, dis or to agree with anyone for a week. Yeah. Uh, and as long as your ST agrees, you're good to go. And that was, that was one of the other things, is you had something like the do a month-long pilgrimage or murder everyone around you, and then there were some that were just like, you eat a lot for yeah. like a day. Oh, really? Right. I just, I overeat for a day. Well, great. Well, I like to, t I like to rewrite my own and say, uh, my character goes on an hour-long pilgrimage to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what he does. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Every, every time. Every, he can't, not enough biscuits. So much biscuit. Yeah. So, okay. So you choose your great curse and your convictions. 
or I'm sorry, your virtues, of which conviction is one. And then you also have some other stats that are informed by various things. Your uh, your willpower, which is your top two uh, of your virtues, put- virtues are put together, and that's your starting. Yeah. You can raise it, but and willpower is a spendable mechanic. It's basically kind of a a during the session resource. You can spend willpower to buy extra dice. Or no, I'm sorry, they just buy successes. Yeah, you can spend one willpower to just get an auto-success on something. Right, and we'll explain successes in just a second. Um, And then there's also your... uh, What is it called in this game? Your... uh, Your essence? Essence, thank you. I I had focus stuck in my head. Your essence is your uh, kind of force of magical will. Yeah, that is that is how bright your soul is. You are just busting out all over with magic power. Right, so are you a regular anime guy who goes to school and, and kind of <laughs> hugs other anime guys for long periods of time in artful poses? Or are you Sailor Moon? That's the difference. Like, if you're yeah. Sailor Moon, you've got a lot more essence because you're glowy and you can do neat transformations. Yeah, and uh, so every solar and really every exalt will start with two. Yes. So your normal human starts with one. You, as a human, can't raise it because you aren't a magical being, so fuck you. But uh, as soon as you get your exaltation where you become a super badass, you get automatically Essence 2, and you can raise it up from there. Now, Essence also informs your Essence pools, uh, and these are pools of motes, which are basically it's mana, mana points. It's mana points. So if you have, like, 30 motes, then you've got 30 mana, and you can use that to activate your various abilities and cast your spells and whatever you've got. Yeah. Um, and m- motes do recycle via various mechanics in the game. Yeah. Uh, sleep gets them back, but then there are other ways you can get them back. Uh, so those are how you spend your abilities on your charms, which is the next thing in the big and pile. charms is really the lion's share of what's going on in this book. It's It's spells. I mean, the book also has spells, but... They suck, and so we can probably go ahead and face it that charms are the spells of this game. Well, yeah. Well, it's more than the spells of this game. It's it's the everything of this game, honestly. I yeah. mean, if you look at everything else, your stats and abilities and whatnot would just sort of be like your stats and skills in a and d and then your charms would be what your actual class abilities would be. This is This is where you define what you do. Because even if you, say, have... Five dots in decks and five dots in melee, you're an amazing badass melee guy. If you don't have any charms that are melee charms, then a guy who doesn't have the same raw numbers as you, but did put uh, his experience into getting melee charms, is going to beat the ever-loving Christ out of you, because he will magic you with his sword instead of just swinging at normal type. Right. So, charms are... In, in at least as far as solar exalts are concerned, charms are separated out by your uh, abilities. Yeah. So you have melee charms, you have archery charms, you have investigation charms, you have craft charms. And so on. And uh, just like the abilities, the uh, cost for those charms is lower if you are favored in that ability. Mm-hmm. So, of course, every cast has a certain set of charms that they are favored in. Every character will end up with ten sets of charms, ten abilities where they can purchase the charms for less, um, out of 25. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to purchase them, but you usually will, because they're cheaper for you. And most charms cost essence to activate. I say most, there are a few that are just straight-up buff-type charms. Um, one of the things you'll notice we didn't mention when we were talking about the character creation stuff in this game is hit points. Uh, this game uses a health track system, and the only way at all to mess with your hit points or your health track is to buy charms of more hit points. Yeah, there is one charm, Ox Body, mm-hmm. and Ox, Ox Body technique in uh, the endurance ability. So even if you don't favor endurance and you don't give a shit about any of the endurance ones, you probably want to put at least one or two points into endurance, and you probably want to buy one or two ox bodies, unless, of course, you're going for the I just perfectly defend against everything build, which we will get into. Let's get into that in a bit. So, yeah, uh, this game's got... That's one of the jankier things that people complain about with this game, is that there's only one way to get your hit points up. It's this one charm. Otherwise, you have seven hit points. Everyone's got seven hit points, and... Okay, so let's talk a bit about the mechanics of how this game plays, because it'll play into that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Let's say you have... We talked about this character earlier. He's got five dots in melee and five dots in dexterity. That means he's got a total pool of ten when it comes to just swinging a sword at a guy. Yeah. Now, you're going to add some other stuff to that. A sword has an accuracy rating. 
maybe it's got an accuracy rating of one. That's another die. Another dot. Now you got a pool of eleven. Yep, maybe, maybe you've got a specialty. He's got a specialty in swords because his ST let him get away with that. But specialty of two. Now he's got thirteen. A pool of thirteen. Okay, so what he's going to try and do is hit the opponent. He's going to roll thirteen d ten. Yeah, and uh, the unlike some of the other games that use d tens. The target number never changes. You're always trying to get a 7 or better. Yeah, so any roll of a 7 or higher is a success. And a 10 gives you two successes. Two su- as long as you're an exalt. That that only applies to uh, to magic creatures. Humans don't get extra successes. Yeah. Not, like, animals don't, that sort of thing. Uh, the game actually delineates those by via uh, actual characters or extras, they call them. Uh, because you're supposed to be able to just mow your way through hordes or hordes of little chodes. Yeah, and extras only have three health because again, you should be able to just sort of mow your way through them. Right. So, uh, so seven, eight, and nine are one success. Ten is two successes. Anything from six to uh, six to two is a nothing. It just doesn't make you fail. And a one is a botch. And botches only matter if all you roll is failures and botches. Yeah, we had uh, mentioned in an earlier podcast, the old world of darkness used a system where uh, when you'd roll, you would subtract ones from your total number of successes. In this, ones are just there to, did you not roll any successes and some ones, then you botch. That's a critical failure, basically. Yeah. So, uh, let's say our character rolls his 13 d10, and he gets six uh, sevens or higher. Of which none are zeros. So he's yeah. got he's got he's got six successes. Now he's going to measure those six successes against the target difficulty of hitting his target. Uh, there's a bunch of different potential target difficulties because this game is very complicated. Uh, there's a parry def- defense value, a dodge defense value, a mental defense value, a surprise defense value. There's all these, and, and each one of these is is informed by a calculation of the other target's attributes. So I'm not going to go over those calculations because they're boring. <laughs> but uh, let's say he his this guy has a parry DV of four. You say, all right, well then I got six successes, and that means I hit your parry DV of four with two extra successes. Yay! Which those are going to carry over like remainders in division. They're going to carry over and be a part of your uh, calculation for how much damage you do. Which again, you're going to calculate your damage pool by. Oh, sword does five, three damage, and I have uh, four dots in strength and a two dot specialty in sword. And well, no, specialties aren't going to do anything for your damage. You're right, sorry. So you roll all these other numbers together and come up with a different pool, then you add those two extra successes to that different pool to get your new set of of uh, dots, or your new pool. Let's say it came out somewhere around 14. Now you roll 14d10 to see how no, much... No, you don't. First you subtract their soak. Ah, thank you. First you subtract their soak, because they are wearing armor, and armor in this game provides two ratings. One of them is hardness, and the other one is soak. Hardness is a difficulty to bypass their damage in any way, and soak is the amount of damage that is subtracted. It's the amount that is eaten by the armor as your sword passes through. Yeah, so if something, uh, say you've got a soak of 7, then if something is doing 7 damage, then it does no damage. Right. Uh, the But if it does 10, then it does 3, and so on, you mm-hmm. just take that soak value, knock it off the top, and then roll from there. Okay, so you've got 13 dice, 14 dice we said, got soak of 7, that means you're rolling 7 dice for damage, and again it goes back to the success calculation, which is that, uh, although botches don't do anything here. Instead, and 10s also don't do anything here. Unless just... you have special charms that make it so they do! Wee. Yay, this game is complicated, but basically you're looking for 7s or higher to do any damage to your target. It sounds like it's a lot of work to do any damage to something, and it is, but this game has ridiculously inflated die pools. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, the the guy that we just mentioned, the guy who rolled 14 dice to attack someone, this is going to be on the low end. Yeah, that's, now, a, that's a starting character. Yeah, now when, when we said that, we did mention he had the maximum of his dexterity, the max in his melee, almost the max of his specialty, and he's still, we're still saying he's on the low end. This is because uh, one of the sort of base charms that you'll get is a die adder. So for whatever ability you buy it in, it lets you just add dice. And it will generally let you get up to like... It's twice the the, uh, attribute attribute. rating. Yeah, so you can get up to, uh, you know, another ten dice to throw at something. But again, calculations are boring, so excellencies, which is what these are called, let you buy a bunch more dice for your moats and throw those into your pool. 
This guy was just swinging his sword. He wasn't even trying. There was no magic there. As soon as he starts applying his charms via excellencies or melee charms or whatever, his die pool explodes, and that's why anyone who plays Exalted has a big-ass bucket of D10s. Oh, yeah. No, if you play Exalted, you probably have a jar somewhere of, like, 50 D10s because you've got some trick up your sleeve that's going to make you roll all of that shit. So, that's Excellencies, and Excellencies come in a variety of flavors. Uh, each type of Exalt, and again, we're just talking about the core book right now, but each type of Exalt has their own way of getting Excellencies and what they do for them. But for Solars, there's one where you can just buy dice, there's one where you can just buy successes, and there's one where you can buy re-rolls. Yeah, and each one is a different charm, you'd have to buy them each individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are different moat costs, depending... So it's cheaper to put more dice in there, but more reliable to put in successes and so on. And uh, depending on what you want, as long as you have uh, any ability in whatever you're trying to buy it for, you can get it. It's sort of the cheapest buy-in for any given uh, set of charms. This is one of the fun things about this game. You play as demigods, and so you're supposed to mostly success, uh, succeed on various small tasks that you would try to accomplish. So, again, we were talking about how high the, the, the essence pools go. Let's say my character wants to build a sword. Not a magic sword, just a sword. So he's going to roll his intelligence plus his craft, and he's probably got, I don't know, 9, 10 dice in that. Add any specialties he's got. Add any charms or abilities he's got. Let's say he ends up with 20 dice. Okay, uh, I don't know what the average number success roll, roll there is, but the average success to just build some random artifact in the world, or not artifact, just random item in the world, is one. You need to get one success on your 20 dice to build some sword like a chump. Yeah, and you're probably going to get ten. And the book it describes that a five, five successes, is beyond human capacity. You are the greatest builder in history if you can build something with a five success. Yeah, because it's coming off of the White Wolf system, which is sort of the one to five, mm-hmm. it tended to make the success flow chart go one to five, which was really a bad it idea. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. No, because you're looking at something in, you know, like the craft charm or bureaucracy. Like they say, oh, if you got five successes on a bureaucracy, you could change how an entire nation does something. You're like, I roll that and I get like 12. What does that let me do? Uh, probably not much of anything well, because it, fuck you. Well, the funny thing is that, the, that it forces the ST to either follow the book and say, well, okay, you got five or more successes. Yeah, you're in charge of this nation now. Congratulations. Or to set DVs at artificially inflated values, the difficulties of things, and leave the players going, how come everything in the world is so hard to do? Yeah, it... <laughs> because a starting character, if you specialize, like, mm-hmm. if you just go, you know what, my dude is all about investigation. That's what he does. I am just going to focus on that. I'm going to get my five perception my five investigation, I'm going to put a whole shit ton of my charms into investigation charms, this is what I'm all about. Then you will come out and out of the gate be like, okay, the ST sets up, there is a mystery, I know what it is, immediately, I throw like ten moats at it and know who did it, where they are right now, what they're doing right now, why they did it, and when I'll be able to catch them. Right, so basically the the ST is forced to throw... Nothing but also exalted Moriarty's at you that, that can kind of thwart your investigation, or else you're just always getting everything done, and, and the game's not very fun. So, yeah, this game's got a weird kind of skewed sense of difficulty, especially because you're playing usually four or five players, and all of them are going to have some ridiculous specialty, which means that every time the, the DM or the ST says, okay, today the problem is that you guys need to argue with a king. One yeah. player's going to be like, oh, I got this. Yeah, your Zenith or your Eclipse is going to go... Oh, that's great. I walk up to him, and I use these charms, and I immediately mind-control the king into thinking that we're all fucking awesome, because we are awesome. Right. And he now uh, has formed an intimacy to helping us out. Yeah. Okay, so, to finish up, to wrap up character creation, this is a point-by-game. You get X number of points in each one of those things we've mentioned already. You get ten charms, you get 18 points to put into your various uh, uh, attributes, you get uh, 25 or so points to put into your abilities... And then, you, I, I don't know, those are probably wrong. Yeah. And uh, you also get a horde of bonus points that you can spend on yeah. things. Oh, and, we didn't we didn't go into backgrounds, as I know, I know you hate backgrounds. We're, we're going to come to them right about now. But uh, before we do that, 
you get a, a horde of bonus points to spend on things. And this is one of the first places in this game that really defines system mastery for a player, is that the, <laughs> the calculations to purchase stuff with your bonus points are wildly different from the calculations to later purchase stuff with XP. Yeah. So bonus points are all flat cost. Yeah. So if you want to, uh, let's say, raise an ability, it costs you one point to raise an ability up. Okay, it doesn't matter what that ability was at. You just, one point, it goes up by one. Later on, when you're using XP, it costs two times the number of points you currently have in it. So to go from uh, four to five in something, it would cost you eight XP. Right, so basically always specialize early. Yeah, you want to start the game with fives in anything you know you want to do, because going from, you know, a one to a two in something, ridiculously cheap, but going from a four to a five, way expensive. Right. So, er, canny players learn to specialize early and start with big holes in their abilities. Like, oh, I I don't even know what investigation is, because it's going to cost me one XP to learn. Yeah, or you also see people with the weirdest uh, ability spread, or attribute spreads. So you're like, uh, I've got a one in my uh, strength, because whatever, it only cost me four times my current ability in XP. So it'll cost me four to go to two, and then I'll be average. Because I put all of those points in getting a five dex, because I don't want to spend twenty points to get a five dex. Right, and and uh, this is yet another game where dexterity is king. It just informs too many of the combat mechanics. Yeah, your defense, your offense, and effectively your damage, damage because, because of accuracy of, carryover. Yeah, because things carry over for how well you hit. Canny players also quickly realize that because you get extra carryover damage based on how well you hit things, dexterity is equivalent to strength plus one. It's better than strength. Uh, you end up with, with characters, accuracy is, whenever you have the choice between accuracy and damage, you should always choose accuracy because it is also damage. It's uh, it's kind of a bad mechanic, and I, I'm kind of hoping, I know they're working on a third edition of this game, I, I hope they're fixing it. Anyway, the other thing you can spend your bonus points on is backgrounds. Yay! And oh. you start with a few points in backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And backgrounds in this game are a one to five dot mechanic, again, they're kind of like abilities, each one of them represents some aspect of your character that uh, provides them with bonuses throughout the course of the game. Uh, this game doesn't have a flaws outside of the virtue flaw that we talked yeah. about, your curse. So each one of these is a, is a benefit and not a drawback. <laughs> Except <laughs> the White Wolf does not like it when you are good at things. And so let's just take Mentor, which is my favorite. Mentor is the best example ever. Uh, if you invest one dot in Mentor, you get a Mentor. Uh, and, and then he, he kind of sucks. And, and that continues as a trend. So if you have a one-dot mentor, he's good for one-dot worth of help, which is nebulous. That doesn't mean he gives you one extra die roll on things, or he can train you in one skill. All the book says is, he's kind of crappy. He Maybe maybe he could teach you one thing he might know. I don't know. Who cares? You know, like, he's the guy who teaches at your local dojo. Yeah. That... He's your drunk uncle who swears he knows the difference between different types of ammunition. Yeah. That's, that's what you get. Uh, if you take a three-dot mentor, you have a qualified mentor, a, a sifu or martial arts trainer, someone who actually knows how to teach you and has a vested interest in you. If you take a five-dot mentor, the best mentor in the world, well, the problem is he's the best mentor in the world, and he's far too busy for you. And so he's unavailable, and he's constantly giving you useless cryptic information, and he's, he doesn't like you very much, and you're beneath, you're beneath him. And this is a pattern that repeats through almost all. Any of the ones that aren't just raw mechanical calculations. Yeah, which is why you end up putting your points into the things that give you raw mechanical benefit. Right, like artifacts. You just, yeah. oh, I'll take five dots and artifacts so I get five dots worth of free magic items. Yeah, so yeah. instead of, say, oh, I can get influence. Influence lets me be influential in a region. And again, you take one, it's like, I don't know, maybe you can get into this club for free. Okay, great, this is fucking useless. Right, because you can do that just by talking to the guy. Yeah, okay, I'll go up to three, what does that get you? Oh, well, you know, you're sort of locally known, like, you are sort of a celebrity in the area. Oh, that's neat, what if I go to five? Everyone knows you, and they're probably scheming to get you right now. The 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 one I always liked was command, which like gives you armies or or nations under your oh, control. Yeah. Where you know if you take a three dot, then you're you're like the the local dignitary of a city, and you're important, and you can command the, the following amount of troops. And then if you're at five, you are probably at war. People are at war with you, actively trying to kill you. There are probably assassins trying to kill you right now. And it's like, why would I take that? Why would I just take four? Yeah, the uh. <laughs> The fact that they're like, well, if you want to put five dots into something, you're going to get such a great mechanical benefit out of this. You We've got to make it terrible so that you don't do it. Well, then just 
make a five not that powerful. Like, well, if I put five dots and it goes, well, you're the king of your own country, and you've got an entire army, which means we have to make it so that everyone fucking hates you. You know, okay, then just don't make it that good. Don't make a five be I'm the king, then. Right, or, or you could recognize that being the king of a country, paradoxically in this game, does not matter in the slightest. Because you're a king of a bunch of chunky humans who don't matter. They're not <laughs> they're not dangerous. They can't do any damage. You could personally kill all of them in a bored afternoon. <laughs> any any business that you have to deal with, your humans are basically irrelevant to. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they're great for if you're playing the Game of Thrones and you really want to, like, you know, oh, I need citizens to mine for gold in this region and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to actual game mechanics, you can tell your ST, hey, I've got this whole army, and he'll be like, eh. Well, they did, uh, one of the big differences between 1st and 2nd edition Exalted is they added in rules for mass combat. And the rules were awful. But, the rules did make it so that if you were leading an army, it did do something mechanically for you. And if you had a bigger army, it gave you a better mechanical bonus. So, technically, if you did go to war... While you could just go, okay, my solar walks out and personally fights an army, you can do that, and depending on the solar and the army you're facing, you might just kill that army. But the if the other guy leading the army is also some sort of demigod, he's going to get enough mechanical bonuses from having an army that'll probably kick your ass. So, a lot of these, and one of the things I'm not a big fan of about the the benefits and flaws systems and... Uh, it's not so much that I, I recognize that they're easy. The system is easy to game, which also true. But in this case, I feel like a lot of the time with the with the benefits and flaws, what you're doing is you are buying the spotlight. Yeah, because some of the options that you have in this game are things like, oh, uh, I have followers and a pet and a familiar and a mentor and contacts and uh, an allies. army, an army and allies. And so, oh, okay, what, what's all that? Well, all of those are extra characters that I also need you to play for me so that they are all and they're all revolving around me. Yeah, I mean especially something like uh followers or allies which if you look at something like a mentor or your influence or whatever, then usually you can go, okay, you can ignore this if we're going. We went off on an adventure, so your mentor is wherever your mentor is. Your army is wherever you left your army. But followers and allies tend to follow you around, so you're just like, I wanted to have dedicated NPCs that I like. Yeah, and uh, and so you end up with these characters that hog spotlight. Familiar is particularly interesting for this, because in this game, familiars aren't little tiny imps that fly around behind you. They are whatever. So if you want to have a T-Rex that talks to you, you just you just spend enough dots in in, in ally or, or follow or sorry familiar, and now you do. Yeah, you got a five-dot familiar, and it's some fucking raptor that runs around next to you and knows English. Yeah, it is constantly smoking a pipe. Yeah, yeah. you know, why not? Yeah, of course. So, uh, those are great ways to kind of buy Spotlight, which, you know, this game, alright, at least it's an even playing field, everyone's gonna buy that fucking familiar, because the familiar comes along with extra essence that you can use, so he's he's a great way to get He's a nice little battery. He's a little battery that you carry around, and also you get to make a goofy pet. Yeah, he's fun. It's fun. It's like playing Torchlight. <laughs> okay, so, uh, once you've got your character built, what are you going to do with him? Well, this game's uh, very smooth uh, about opening up the world. You can just do whatever you want. Let's talk a little bit, though, about what solars represent in the world and yeah, let's get okay. into this story. I'll get, I'll get a little... I'm not going to go as in-depth and crazy as you could into the Exalted story, but I'll give you sort of an overview. Uh, there were old gods, it's sort of the whole gods versus titans thing that you get from, like, Greek mythology. There were primordials, they created the gods, the gods rebelled, the gods made the exalts because they couldn't actually attack. They were, you know, forbidden from attacking their makers. So they made these exalts to go fight for them. Alright, so exalts, exalts kill off the primordials, banish them to hell... And, uh, then they have their kingdom, and the Solars run it. And the Solars end up having the whole absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the other Exalts sort of band together, kill them off, put their essences into a giant prison so that they can't come back. And then, uh, they take over. So you've got the Dragon Bloods, which are sort of the lowest tier... They are elemental-based, and they're 
one thing is, while they are the least powerful of the exalts, there are a holy shit fuck ton of them compared to everything else. They're the only ones that can breed and create more of themselves. Yeah, so you can have two dragon bloods have sex and have a kid, and that kid is more likely to be a dragon blood. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, there are 150 solar essences. Whenever a solar dies, someone else is born as a solar. That's that's. Yeah. There is an, a god that is in charge of just shoving exaltations into people. Right. So that's how the other exalts get their power. Uh, dragon blood's big deal is that they can. It's just in their blood. Right. And and so there are as many of them as the story requires. Yeah. Uh, so they took over, and you've got a dragon blooded nation in charge, and then. That's, like, in the middle of the map, and then the fringes of the map are all just random free states of various types. As you go farther in each direction on the map, it gets more elementally. Like, yeah. so as you go to the north, it gets super cold, and if you go to the west, it gets all watery. Yeah, so each one has an elemental pole, and of course the very middle is the pole of Earth, so there's a giant mountain. Yes. And, uh, like we mentioned, this creation is many times larger than Earth, and everything is bigger. It is, it is the Texas of settings. So the mountain, the imperial mountain in the middle of the map, isn't just a big mountain. It is insanely huge. It's like three Everests on top of each other huge. It's just dumb. Everest is like one of its poops. Yeah, so everything where they go, oh yeah, this is massive. You go, oh, okay, I kind of figure what that is, you know, comparing it to Earth. No, no, it's all four times as big as whatever it was. Yeah, just picture, like, when Schumacher used to be directing Batman. And, <laughs> like, you know, whenever the Batmobile would find itself driving along, like, the arm of a statue, and you'd be like, how do you even get up there? And why does Gotham have a whole bunch of 500-foot statues in it? That's because creation, that's what creation is like. It's it's all thousand-foot-high things and giant cities made out of men's legs. And just, yeah. just not, everything's huge. And, and it's silly because you're still human-sized. And so, you know, to get to the top of the super mountain, is, it would take you forever. Uh, of course, the, much like Mystery Science Theater, they ask that you not bother paying attention to the physics of it. So, how you're supposed to breathe at the top of Triple Everest, you just can because well, yeah. you can. Well, you can because there there is air up there. There is no space. It's yeah. the same thing. Uh, creation is completely flat. So, technically, from up there, you could see everything because there is no curvature. Yes. But they just tell you to kind of ignore that and don't worry about that shit. There is fog of war. Yeah. No, actually, there isn't. That's one of the funny things is that... One of the archery charms is literally you can shoot anything you can see. So you just stand on top of the Imperial Mountain, use a perception charm that lets you see anything that is, you know, within your line of sight, and then you just shoot anything. Right, so that's the kind of thing that this game lends itself towards. It sounds like we're trying to tell you how to cheat at this game. We're not. That was the intention of that charm. No, the, the game... There are some things you can do that are sort of cheaty, but for the most part they're like... Did you want to fly around like Superman and suplex a dragon into a canyon and have that canyon explode? Okay, that's like two charms. Go for Actually, it. it's funny. You say that, but then the hardest thing you can do in this game is fly. <laughs> for some reason, for all the other shit they, they give you, you can jump for miles of distance at a time. You can, you can uh, open portals to heaven. You can create stuff out of nothing. You can't. The only way to fly is via, via a complex series of night cast charms, and even then, you fly like a dope. Well, yeah, you have to. You have to get a whole bunch of athletics charms. Yeah, and then you have to fly with one hand out like you are Superman. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's weird that flying is so restricted, given how much everything else is just handed out. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Dragon Bloods kind of control the middle, and they are the dominant power in the world. In an attempt to keep the Solars from coming back into any kind of real power, they insti instigate a wild hunt, is what they call it, and that's they it hunts down new Solars. Solars when they're when they're still too weak to just take to, to just kill Dragon Bloods like nothing. They they uh, send out teams of highly trained Dragon Bloods to find and kill any new Solars as they pop up, and that system is supposed to be very effective. And so you're playing as five Solar or how many however many Solars that managed to evade that or are currently evading that. Yeah, the the main game setting is the return of the solars. Yes. So, uh, like I said, they put most of these solar essences into a prison. That prison got broken open and these essences escaped. So you are one of a newly formed solar, and whereas before you probably would have been, you know, a solar pops up maybe once every few years, and the Wild Hunt just immediately murders you. Uh, in this, they're popping up all over the place, so you can actually survive. 
I'm sure your ST will probably make you face the Wild Hunt at some point, but there will be three of you and you will just absolutely fucking steamroll them. Okay, so those are Dragonbloods. The, the things you would fight that you would just steamroll. Let's go a real brief overview of the other types of of uh, enemies that are big enough to face you in this game. Yeah. So First of all, we mentioned that there are 300 solar essences, of which 150 still make regular solars. That's because 100 of them... 150. No, no, wait. 100 of them and then the other 50 went... Ah, there you go. Fucking... 100 of them make death guys. They're dark mirrors of solars who are... Abys- they're called abyssals. And they're... They're stupid gothy. They... They are the game's nod to its World of Darkness roots. You are essentially the vampire version of a solar. You are created by undead primordials. Mm-hmm. Basically envision any charm in the solar tree and add blood or dark or crypt in front of the name. And there you go. You got yourself what a, what a uh, abyssal does. Yeah. So if it was like, I create a sword out of blazing light and sun energy. Oh, well, I do the exact same thing, except it's dark and dripping with blood and the whales of the damned. Right. And they are controlled by things called the Neverborn or the uh, the undead primordials, Death Lords. All these, there's a whole bunch of various types of super powerful undead evil that kind of create their own society in the Nether world. And the Abyssals are their dark knights that yeah. they send into the world to 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 uh, make horrible plots and act all vampy and sexy, and then get, and then turn gross when you get close to them. And they're going to be mostly your. You're big rivals. So, like, if the dragon blood are the weakest of them, since the solars are the strongest, since the abyssals are sort of the dark mirror, they're going to be the ones that can actually challenge you on a even footing. Now, there's another 50 solar essences that went to these things called green sun princes, and they're basically the the demons, the demons of this world. They're kind of they're kind of the sub hell or side hell. Yeah, like I mentioned when the uh, exalts. Beat off the... Beat off. <laughs> beat the primordials. They killed some and banished the rest to hell. So these are the uh, the hell primordials got hold of some of these essences and made their own demon versions. Right. And, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what these guys are called. Uh, they're infernals. Infernals, okay. Infernals... Here's the funny thing about infernals. They came out way later than the other types of uh, exalts. And it's the worst fucking book. It, all, all of them were way too powerful, because they came out later, and and the people who were writing their, their exaltation rules were like, well, let's just go crazy, because we all have a real solid handle on how to write for this game now, and so they wrote these fucking ridiculous rape monsters that are way too powerful and are supposed to be played as kind of smarmy, dark good guys. That's kind of the, the feel you get from reading the book, but literally the first picture in the book is like a, a horrible monster emerging from a bloated sad screaming lady's giant demon vagina it's it's not a fun no this this book has a void uh, this book has been written up on a few different places and is notorious i mean even for people who don't play exalted is notorious for being awful yeah not just like the mechanics are bad but everything written in it is essentially trying to be mature, and by mature we mean putting in things about rape and, like, uh, they have sex with this underaged girl that is been turned into kind of a demon thing. She's a demon balloon with a vagina at one end. It's it's not fun. It's not fun. And the worst part is that the book kind of writes it with the character, with the concept that these are the fun anti-heroes. So, this is, this whole book is for the ST that really wants to challenge his solar players with NPCs that are cooler than them. So they're all like, yeah, you're, I'm exactly as powerful as you, but I'm a smarmy, fun pirate. Remember remember Dante from Devil May Cry? I'm, <laughs> I'm that with a lobster claw. And it's just, oh, come on. It's, it's just a fucking annoying book. So they're out there, too. Now, there are also Lunars, and where Solars are the principal... Uh, their, power, their power generation comes from the sun... Uh, lunars come from the moon, and they are animally. There are yeah. there are less casts of them. Uh, they're basically to the because phases of the moon. Their uh, charms, instead of keying off of an ability, will key off of the attribute instead, because they are all about raw power rather than skill. Right, and they are basically were beasts. They to, to to really sum them up simply, they have a a, a big bloated, not very well designed charm tree. 
and they are werebeasts that their primary charm is something called Deadly Beastman Transformation, which turns them from a normal dude with silver tattoos all over them to a big, you know, half-man, half-elk with a tentacle coming out of its back and the ability to teleport and whatever. So that's that's kind of how they operate. There are sidereals, and yeah. sidereals are the exalts of heaven. Heaven in this game is very Chinese heaven. It's the celestial bureaucracy. Yeah, they're up there, and they are essentially paper pushers, and they are in charge of fate. And in another broken turn of exalted, uh, exalted world design, they get kung fu that's better than anyone else's kung fu. And all of their kung fu abilities, which are charms, just like anything else, are complicated and stupid and uh, subject to so much rule-breaking that it's just like, oh, I, I punched yesterday out of existence? That That's the kind of thing they do. Yeah, they have esoteric kung fu where it's like, what do you do? Well, I punch you and it makes your Jungian shadow pop out and slap you in the face and then you lose some things. And they're like, okay, no, just I, stop I hate it. this, I hate this, I hate everything... I, I, I hate how all of their abilities have to have little I Ching style poetry di- uh, like tetragrams next to them. It's just, it's just a mess. They're uh, anyway, they're they're fairly interesting. Is sort of what STs use them for is the voice of God character, the one that pops in and goes, "Look, you guys need to kill this particular set of abyssals. I know because I know all kinds of things, and I am mysterious." And then he yeah. like disappears. They they are perfect for the you know Grand Vizier role. Yeah, they are good for showing up and. Being, more than anything else, being that, like, I pop in to offer information or help in some way and then I'm gone because that's all I give a fuck about and don't care about you specifically. And their cast mechanic is based around planets, so there's, or, it's, uh, sort of planets. It's like the Chosen of Secrets and the Chosen of Travels and so on, but each one of those is, like, Venus and and Mars, Jupiter. So, they're... They're an interesting bunch, but they have never been especially well-written, and they're very difficult to use. And keep in mind that via splat books, you can play as any of this stuff. All There's books of dragon, how to play as the dragon bloods, how to play as the lunars. Uh, there's a few others, uh, lesser ones. Those are the primary ones, the ones that are really covered in the main book. But there are also the fair folk, and the fair folk are, uh, what do you even want to call them? Fairies? They're yeah. sort of... They're, they're chaos elves, essentially. Yeah. The So the whole thing with... Creation itself is a primordial. Mm-hmm. It is Gaia. Gaia is a primordial that sort of sided with the gods. So that's where all the people live is on the back of a primordial. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the edges of creation is the wild. With a Y. Uh, and the... It's a giant hair metal band that surrounds <laughs> creation. Yeah, the wild stallions are out there. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to fuck with them. Yeah. the The wild is pure chaos where creation represents order Mm -hmm. so everything's all backwards yeah so you the farther out into the wild you go the crazier shit gets so you might be just sort of on the borders of the wild and it's like oh maybe this crab also has like spider legs and he's flying and you'd get just weird things, and then the farther you go in, the more it just completely ruins all yeah, rules. Yeah, there's, no, there's no land, uh, up is down, black, everything that Yakov Smirnov ever said is correct. <laughs> that's that's what the... And then these Chaos Elves just live out there and are very elfy. Yeah, their whole a, point is they, they tell stories and they can use the wild to be like, well, I'm telling this story, and the wild just conforms to the story I'm telling, and yeah. they're... It's like they're playing a big-ass game of Magic the Gathering out there all the time. <laughs> they're just constantly fighting, oh, an army arises, and then an army actually arises. So they're out there. Their book uh, isn't as offensive as uh, as the uh, Infernal's book, by any stretch. But fucking unreadable. It's completely unreadable. It doesn't make any sense. Whoever tried to write it, I forget her name, but which it's all like this shit about tarot, uh, so it's all like yeah, you've cups got- and... Bolts, staves so staves and, shit. and, and it, it's all creation combat and stuff where you like throw fake armies at each other and it's it, it, the book is unreadable I've owned it for years I've read it several times I can't tell you anything more than the most superficial shit about it now there's also another faction of uh, exalts created by a primordial that ditched when the primordial wars started when the gods were like alright fuck these titans let's fight them one of the titans was like well then fuck you guys I'm out and, and so I'll, I'll make my own creation with, with blackjack and robots. Yeah, and and fuck the blackjack, and, and that's basically what happened. So the Autothon, which is robot planet, which is in some other dimension somewhere, and uh, it's it's you live inside the body of a robot god, and uh, the exalts are made out of chunks of the robot god, and they're called Autothonian exalts, 
And uh, they are robots. Robots. They're basically robot exalts, and they don't really interact with the game world unless someone opens a dimensional portal to there. And your charms are bolted upgrades on. Yeah, that you put on. Yeah, you get bolted to you. Uh, and the game has a series of magical metals that inform uh, like the power structure of each. Yeah. Like, so for example, Oracalcum, which is the the super like super gold, uh, super gold. It's Atlantean super gold. Um, is what Solars use. And uh, Death uh, Abyssals use something called uh, soul, steel. soul Steel, which is infu- it's steel infused with the screams of the dead or whatever. It is actual souls. Yeah, so there's a lot of these. And the uh, the five magical metals are the caste system that the robot exalts use. So like, yeah. there's Oracalcum exalts out there. Anyway, that's they're, they're just some goofy nonsense. Um, and so you pick which one of these types of things you play. And then you go out into the world and you fight each other. And you fight uh, giant behemothy demons, and you win our battles with armies, and you, you fight do a bunch local, of crazy fight local shit. gods, and yeah, you basically people use it as an anime simulator. Now, we've kind of shat all over this game for the time that we have been talking about it, but I want to say, horrible system. I still love playing in the game. Well, there's something visceral uh, going. Well, I got to pick up fifty-four dice, and. The whole thing is telling stories that are that grand demigod scale, you know. So often when you're playing something like, I am a samurai, or I am an adventurer, I am a fighter, I am a wizard. Okay, you're a dude, you can do some stuff, and, you know, you're better than your average peasant, but even then, a couple peasants could probably stab you to death. In this, you are a god. Yeah, like even as a starting character as a solar, if you walk into town and go, "I'm gonna murder everyone in this town," your ST's gonna go, "Ah, oh, well, probably it'll take you a little while." Yeah, and it's not. This is the other thing I like about this game is that it properly reflects the different types of ways in which a god can be godlike. So, for example, it's not that difficult for an extremely strong character in this game to pick up uh, the local equivalent of an elephant and throw it into into the local equivalent of space. Yeah, but on the same token, it's not that difficult for a extremely intelligent character to divine some nonsense from some other nonsense and, and, and come up with an incredible invention that's beyond the, the limitations of the players playing yeah. the game. You go, well, you know, you can punch a guy and he'll land in hell, but I can genetically engineer mosquitoes in order to cure malaria. Which which we did. That was one of our own games. One of my characters invent, uh, reverse-engineered mosquitoes, so they cured malaria in a swamp. Yeah. So, you've got a lot of options... Now, granted, a lot of those options weren't as good, but it it did allow you to tell a certain type of story, and there is something to be said for that. Uh, it had the stunting mechanic. We didn't even talk about stunting. Stunting is basically, this game wants you to play theatrically. Yeah, it wants you to describe what you do. Instead of just going, uh, I use I this ability and yeah. I, uh, I hit. I did 10 damage. So it wants you to get into this kind of shared storytelling experience and, and describe theatrical actions. My, my character in a blazing arc of solar light flings his weapon and it creates a rainbow across the sky as it passes through the body of the dark demon and whatever, that sort of yeah. thing. At, at which point your ST is capable of giving you stunt dice, which are extra dice you can roll for that, that attack. Or whatever it is that you're doing, that craft charm, whatever. Um, and he can give you one, two, or three stunt dice. And depending... And the, the only issue with the stunt is, while it does... A stunting mechanic in any game encourages players to be more engaged mm-hmm. and to make the story more compelling. But when you start getting into... Gradiated. The, yeah, the gradiated versions of it, not only does it make your players all want to try and outdo each other, and you start getting short stories on every sword swing. I used to take notes. I'd be sitting there w- waiting for my turn, writing down what I was going to say later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you need to get, cause you want that three die so bad, and so you have to get all florid and purple with it. Yeah, and but it also means every single action, your ST is having to make a subjective judgment call on, all right, well, this is cool enough for a three, what you said wasn't cool enough. You get a two, right? And so that's not very nice. We talked a little bit really, really early in the in the podcast about how this game's a lot of negotiation, and so stunt dice are a big part of that. Where you're spending all this time being as prosaic as possible to describe mundane actions because you really want one extra die, and you feel mad when your ST doesn't recognize your greatness as a as a storyteller, and and so that's kind of a problem. Really, the mechanic should just be. Uh, 
Are you describing it all? You get some stunt mecha- dice. There you go. Hooray. Keep playing that way because it's useful for you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just real quick, one of the other problems here is the game introduced the perfect defense. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, the perfect defense was in any of the defensive abilities, you could spend X amount of motes and usually a willpower and automatically succeed at not being hit by anything. Right, and there's a perfect parry and a perfect dodge and a perfect soak, so there's your basically your choice of you don't hit me. And, and they're not that expensive. And it was one of those things where when I say you weren't hit by anything, I mean anything. Like, okay, this guy throws a mountain at you. I parry the mountain. Oh, right, okay. yeah. Or I, you fall out of an airship and land towards the ground. I dodge it. Yeah, I dodge Gaia so I don't hit her. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that the perfect defenses allow you to do. They are literally perfect. There's one flaw in them, and that's that you have to respect the requirement of your uh, your uh, virtue that's associated with them. So if you have a perfect compassion dodge, then you can only dodge if you really love the reason you're dodging. Yeah, if you are around people you care about, which means I care about the other players and we're always around them, so I will always perfectly dodge. Hooray. Yeah. So what that means is, like we said earlier, this game gives you seven hit points and the ability to roll hundreds of dice to, to damage someone, which means if anyone hits you, they'll kill you. Yeah. So Late Exalted is basically rocket tag with perfect defenses, the goal being to run the other guy out of essence. So the yeah. fights take way too long and then end in one hit. Yeah, so you'll sit there and go, and I do that. And of course you're describing it because stunts will also give you moats back, which means you yeah. will have moats left to perfect defense. So it's people sitting there using a half hour to describe how they swing their sword, the other guy going, uh, it doesn't hit me, and then doing their half hour to describe their sword hit, which doesn't hit you, and back and forth until someone goes, oh, I ran out of moats, I don't have enough to perfect, and the other guy goes, great, I murder you. You know, it makes sense uh, in description of this as an anime simulator, because every time I watched Voltron, I was always like, why don't they just pull that sword that wins out at the start of the fight? Huh. You know, that, that blazing sword that all, they were like, well, why don't we just try that blazing sword that always wins? They always wait till the last thing in the fight. I think it's because they know that that other person has perfect defenses up still, so they're just poking <laughs> them and poking. Yeah, they're just getting the defenses down. And yeah, then, yeah just, now I'll use my combo. Yeah, so that's, uh, in addition to, uh, perfect defenses, creating kind of a rocket tag mechanic for the game, uh, late exalted also became about moat generation engines, which was a problem, where your character would be like, well, I get moats if I dodge something. Or, um, you know, became poking combat. Where it wasn't important to damage someone, it was just important to get a hit through. Because anytime you managed to force them to make it perfect, you were wasting their essence. <coughs> and so characters became all about, well, I can attack 14 times in a turn. Yeah. And force you to defend 14 times. And then that became about infinite essence flow mechanic charms would made it so that if you spent any essence in dexterity once, then it kept carrying over to anything else you did that turn. And so the game became this overly arcane system of rocket tag. Yeah, it was... It almost boiled down to a mana point Rube Goldberg machine of you start at one end and you just keep going and making calculations and calculations and calculations and eventually you could have just not run out of combat and gone... Okay, look, I'm starting with this much essence, you're starting with this much, I have these charms, you have these charms, let's do the calculations, and you'll run out first, I win. Yeah. yeah. Because you're going to spend so much of your time buying successes that uh, it doesn't really matter what your die rolls are. Yeah. Even though you have huge die pools. So, there you go. Anyway, let's get down to the end of every podcast. John, would you play this game? Uh, I have before, and... With a lot of house ruling, I would again, I look forward to the third edition that they are doing. Uh, I think mechanically it is looking good, although uh, we haven't really gotten any previews of that. But even the early editions, I, I'd still play it. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, okay, and what's your favorite thing about the game and least favorite thing about the game? Uh, my favorite thing about the game is definitely the setting. It's got... Uh, I mean, we barely scratched the surface on what's going on in the world and the system of exaltations and how things interact. It's very, like I said, it lets you tell your demigod stories, your Gilgameshes and Enkidus. Uh, and the least favorite would definitely be the entire perfect defense system. The fact that they even exist at all is bad, and the fact that you can just continually do them forever is worse. Right. 
Okay, um, I have played this game before. I'm sure I will play this game again. My favorite thing about it, uh, we mentioned briefly earlier, I like that this game lets you play a super smart character that isn't just held by a list of spells. Because, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, you can play a super smart wizard, but you're still just casting the same spell list as everybody else. You're yeah. just like, oh, I got Wish and Stone Skin, whatever. This game lets you intelligently use your charms to do crazy shit that isn't just fighting. You can invent bombs or whatever you want to do. And I, I really like that, that it lets you be creative legitimately, as opposed to feeling like you're creative, which is what 3rd edition wizard fans, 3rd huh. edition D&D wizard fans, think they're the most creative motherfuckers in the room, but they're not. They're still picking off that same spell list that everyone always has. This game is the opposite. You, real creativity comes out of this. Yeah. My least favorite thing about this game, uh, there are way too many die adders. Uh, yeah. In addition to the excellencies, you can channel your virtues, you can spend your willpowers, you can get stunts. Basically, that means that no matter what you're doing, every single round of... Anytime you roll a die ever in this game, you probably have some kind of die adder that feels like a heroic measure that you're taking, even though you're not even doing anything heroic at the moment. You're just... Oh, I will I will pay less for this tea than I normally would because I will channel my temperance. That's why. Why are you doing that? Because there's no reason for me not to since I will regenerate it at the end of this this session. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, the game has way too many die adders. They, they could really strip a bunch of them out and not really affect the gameplay at all. You could get out channeling. You could take channeling virtues, which is a mechanic by the way where you can say, "Well, this is very important to me as a compassionate person, so I get extra dice equal to the number of dots I have in compassion about it." Um a set number of times per game, you could take that whole system, we didn't even mention it before, and take it out of the game. And it wouldn't even affect the game. No. So, that's for me. Okay, so uh, that's it. That's Exalted. Would you recommend other people play it? Nope. I would not. Not really. Don't don't play it. Read up on it. Wait until 3rd edition comes out. Maybe look at that. For the love of God, don't buy anything. Oh, yeah, no. Don't buy anything right now. Yeah. I don't even think that White Wolf would get mad at us for saying that. the, the, The mechanics of who's publishing... Uh, this game are crazy. I, I, it's like there's teams of volunteers that are working as its editors or something. It's really weird. Yeah, I think White Wolf was going under, and they were just purchased by some guy who likes it and is rich. Yeah. So wait for his new fancy game to come out, which is going to be Exalted Third Edition, and uh, let's take a look and see what that is. Okay, so that's been System Mastery. You can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, System Mastery at Gmail, System Mastery on Twitter, uh, or our System Mastery Facebook page. In two weeks, I'm sure we'll review something else. No idea what. And until then, thank you very much for listening. John, you have a lovely day. And you have a happy new year.